The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Have you noticed that no matter how hard you try to release attachments, heal traumas, and change your life, you still feel as if you don't belong? There is a reason and a solution for this. Join award-winning actor, comedian, and best-selling author Kyle Cease and learn how to immerse yourself in a new way of being at From Lonely to Free, a weekend workshop May 24th to 26th at Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. In a world that can be challenging and at times unpredictable, it's hard to find moments to focus on what you need. Join Stephanie James on The Spark as she guides you to use your inner flame to ignite your best life. As a best-selling author, psychotherapist, transformational life coach, and international show host, Stephanie is dedicated to helping you create a life that takes you, your goals, and your passions to the next level so you can live a life that is fully lit up and fully alive. She believes that your life is meant to be a beautiful expression of the things that light you up that by living your dreams, you give permission to others to do the same. Are you ready to feel alive and inspired to fuel your dreams and put a fire behind your desires? Let's ignite a spark in one another that will illuminate the world. The Spark with your host, Stephanie James, starts now. Welcome to The Spark. I'm your host, Stephanie James. And we are taking the spark and we are igniting it. If you have been following the spark for the last five plus years, we have now taken the spark and we're igniting it on Mind, Body, Spirit FM. So glad to have you here with me. I would love you right now, wherever you are, unless you're driving, uh, close your eyes for a moment. And if you're at a stoplight, you can close your eyes. And just take that nice deep breath down into your belly. And you may even put a hand on your belly just to direct your attention there. And just hold your breath for a moment, almost imagining that you're collecting any stress, tension, anything in your body, and then slowly releasing that. It only takes a moment to let that go and just do a pattern reset. We get so stressed in our lives and we acclimate to higher and higher levels of stress. So when we just take that pause, that moment, it can really be as simple as taking a couple deep breaths and we can have that shift to our day. So today, everyone, I'm very excited. I have with me Joe Reichert and Joe, he, he, he came up with this thing I can't wait to talk to him about which is leader relativity. We're going to be talking about that. He's a TEDx speaker, a TEDx speaking coach, corporate leadership consultant and program manager for a Fortune 100 company, and just seems like an all-around awesome guy. I'm excited to welcome you, Joe, to The Spark. Oh, thank you, Stephanie. I'm excited to be here, and I'm, well, you sure uh, hyped it up, so I hope 
I hope we can deliver on all that. <laughs> well, and I was excited when we just started the interview to find out that we're neighbors. Joe and I live right down the road from each other. You would say as the crow flies, Joe's in Denver. I, I am. And I look outside my window right now. I never really know what I'm going to see. And today it's okay. So I'm just happy to be here. This is going to be fun. Exciting. This is awesome. Awesome. You know, and that's true. We always laugh about, you know, and I'm here in Fort Collins for those of you that don't know. And it's, it's always hilarious because the weather literally does change within sometimes it's like 15 minutes. It can be sunny and wonderful. And you look out the window and it's like, oh my God, it's snowing. <laughs> you know, Right. It depends how long we talk. It could be very nice out by the time we're done. Yeah. <laughs> true. We're both having overcast days today, but we'll see what happens. So Joe, tell me a little bit about, gosh, talk about first, what got you into speaking? Because obviously this TEDx thing, not everybody has a TEDx and talk about that a little bit. Yeah, for sure. So the, the TEDx was actually like a casualty of war for what I was doing previously, which was, you know, at, at work, we were trying to design a leadership program. And I, I thought, well, I should really understand what it means to me first before I teach it. That seems appropriate um, to do my due diligence. And when I started to try to make a program and, and think about, you know, at a absolute bare bones level, what would I want someone to know about becoming a leader? Because I have so many people come up to me at work, Joe, I want to get into management. I want to be a leader. What should I do? And I thought, what would I tell that person? When I started to look around at, you know, resources to give them, I got bummed out. I didn't, I didn't really like what was out there. There's some great resources, but I thought, you know, if you're so new to it, it can be really overwhelming. And so I just sat down in front of a piece of paper for a long time, longer than I'll admit with nothing on it. And then eventually <laughs> I just started coming up with, you know, what do I think it means to be a leader? And then it got me to this idea of, of how it's all relative. And then from there, I thought, well, this is kind of funky and different. Maybe I should try to share this. And then we ended up at TEDx and now we're here. So a blank piece of paper to talking to Stephanie James. There you go. I love it. I love it. Well, and so what does it mean, this, this leader relativity? Talk to me about that. Yeah. So how I would describe it maybe first is, you know, we've all had great leaders in our life. And whenever you think about that person, and then you go into a program, say at work or even a like a master's degree program or something like that, you're not really taught how to be that person you thought of, right? That person made you feel a certain way. They made you, you know, better than you could have ever been. But then you go into these programs and you're taught, you know, Excel sheets and cost value, you know, metrics and things like that. And it's, there's such a disconnect. I thought, well, I want to teach people how to be that one that you think of. And so that's kind of the premise of it. And so I started thinking, well, uh, and here, I'll do it with you, Stephanie. So, okay. Okay. So think of, um, think of two leaders you've ever had in your life that you really respect that you would go. I absolutely consider them to be a leader. Okay. okay I'll even take one. Even, even yeah, one. Well, no, I mean, right away. I mean, I, the first person that came to mind would be like in just in my field, you know, Bruce Lipton. Absolutely. So we'll take Bruce. What is Bruce's title? I guess. He's a stem a cell. Lot. He's a stem cell biologist is his first title. Okay. Yeah. And I'm sure he, is he a professor? Maybe is he have a, 
a doctorate. He he probably has many titles. He, he really does. Yeah. Yeah. If you went on his LinkedIn, I mean, he definitely he is an international thought leader. Sure. And the yeah. one thing that I noticed is that whenever I ask people this question and they tell me the person's name, you get a lot of folks like Bruce, you get head coaches, you get vice presidents, you get managers, you get moms, you get dads. And the one thing you never get is leader as someone's actual title. Mm, yeah. It's it's never there. And if you go online right now and you try to search for, you know, to become a leader, uh, just the word leader, like a monster, indeed, you could find like leader of this blank team or, you know, team lead of that, but just the one word leader, you'll never find it. And so I started thinking, well, it's got to be separate then, right? Because you obviously consider Bruce a leader, but that's not his title really anywhere in any of his teams. And I thought, well, it's got to be something completely separate from your job duties then, because really your title has to do a lot with, you know, the functions you perform, whereas being a leader is really something that you can earn. And I started to think, well, I've had a lot of leaders, you know, software engineer was someone I really considered a leader and their, their title clearly was nothing remotely what we'd consider to be a leader. So I started to go, okay, well, it's detached from your, your functional duty. So then how would you actually get someone to consider you to be a leader? So then I started going down the path of, okay, well, why would you follow someone in, you know, human needs and all this? And, you know, we can go into it, but ultimately I thought, you know, at the very end of the day, the key to being a leader is understanding that it's relative to who you are in the relationship. So if you're, if you're the person that someone's following it looks different than if you're the follower looking at somebody. And so I thought, oh, it's just so relative that it's really not absolute. And so I just started calling it leader relativity. I love it. Yeah. yeah. I, I try to make it simple and and I, I don't know. I have such a simple brain, Stephanie. You know, I I used to be an engineer in a former life. And now, sadly, I'm just a manager and it's gone to mush. And <laughs> And, yeah. uh, and I just really want this, this style of leadership to be able to be taught. And that to me is the hardest part, because when you look at someone who is a great leader, it's hard to put into words. Why, like, why do you feel that way about that? Like, why do you feel that way about Bruce? And when you really start to write it down, it has almost nothing to do with what they actually do at work and, and everything to do with how. Yes. Yeah. And I want to get into that with you because, you know, actually right now, and probably the time of this podcast, um, it'll be, oh, it will just be almost over. But next week, I'm going to be in this embodied leadership summit. So, you know, one of the things we're talking about is what is an embodied leader? So I, I'm, I'm seeing actually some crossover there. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And And so I'm curious for you, when you're thinking of those qualities, when you're thinking of what is it that makes someone, I, I totally get what you're saying. It's not their job title that makes them a leader. Right. I think it's truly just being someone other people want to follow. I think that's all that makes someone a leader. So I think, I think if one person follows you, then you're a leader. And the thing is they might follow you for a bunch of different reasons. And, and in my upcoming book, Leader Relativity, I kind of talk through, um, you know, it, Again, I'm so simple. And and all the gen ed classes in college, I'm sure those professors are going to roll over, you know, and be very upset with how I think about this. But I think, you know, we ultimately do things because we either have to or we want to. And 
once you understand that everybody on your team has the same rationale, and as a leader, you really just want your team to be successful, but everybody on the team has to be successful and you can't get into what I call level two, which is the wants. Like I want to be successful, but I have to survive. I have a family. I have to, you know, grandma's in the hospital. I got to take care of that. And then, you know, when you're in work, being able to facilitate that and understanding, Hey, people can't be successful for their team unless they have their underlying needs taken care of that to me is how you kind of foster that. And you can't make anybody follow you which we can get into. But I think once you understand that everybody on your team is a human, and it sounds so silly and stupid to say, but sadly, I've worked for so many managers who they just don't realize that. Yeah. Yes. And they they kind of treat you like um, like a cyborg is the wrong. Well, they think you're a cyborg but, or like a robot. And really, you know, you're not. You can only give so many, you know, 13 hour days before you just burn out. And so I think you have to keep going back to that base. And if you're facilitating that for someone, they, they instinctively go, okay, well, you're someone who cares. So it's advantageous for me as a human to follow you because I'm getting my needs satisfied and I'm able to also be successful. And so I think anybody on earth can do that. That's what I'm trying to tell people. Like you don't have to have a, a specific title in order to facilitate that for someone. You just kind of have to be a nice decent human being who cares about others. And I think that's literally all it takes. Wow. Yeah. You know, again, this feels very in line with, I think, even, even my own message, you know, during this embodied leadership summit is that it's really within us. We already have this, it's innate to who we are. And so it's really, as you said, I mean, if you're a decent human being, um, and I think most of us are. I, I really do believe in the good of us. I, I hope so. Yeah. Yeah. That that we can, you know, access those parts of us. And gosh, you know, it's it's been almost 20 years now that I've worked in my own business. And I feel like part of that was because exactly what you were talking about. I had some horrible leaders. Yeah, you know, I can remember working for the school district and having horrible principles. I can remember working for the mental health center and oh, having, yeah. having executive directors who literally they, they treated us as less than. Oh yeah. It's, I mean, it's such a bummer and people at work, I think are, <laughs> I'm not afraid to ruffle a feather. And when I hear somebody who's in a, who's in like a toxic environment, they have a bad boss. My first thing I tell them is, Hey, you should leave. Like it's not working. This person clearly doesn't care. I hope you stay at our company, but if you don't, or if you can't find another place to, to satisfy those needs and wants, you should go somewhere else because it exists. And I think, I mean, it, it really is a shame when bosses treat people like that. And the thing that I try to, to tell people is really, I guess the underlying thing is we got to separate leader from your title because it's so different, right? You, you apply to be a manager, but you can still be a jerk and nobody considers you a good leader. Like you were saying, right? You're bad leaders or just non-existent. And so, you know, it really is a role uh, on a team that you have to earn from other people instead of applying for. And so probably um, for your listeners, the best way I would describe the difference between roles and functions would be, you know, think back to school, right? You're in high school. It's the worst time ever. And you're 
you know, you're, you're in class and there's always that person uh, in your grade who's really funny. They're, they're silly, they're cracking jokes. And at the end of the year, they have built a reputation to earn them the moniker of the class clown, right? They're still a student though. And so whether that person is funny or not, they're a student. They have to go to class. They have to do their assignments. They have to pass standardized exams and then graduate. But how they conducted themselves as a student is what determined that they were the class clown. And so they earned it from their peers. But then if they came back the next year and they were no longer funny or and they were really serious and I don't know, maybe they took a trip with their family and it just changed them. I don't know where they went. And they weren't funny. You wouldn't consider them the class clown anymore. And the whole time they'd be a student. And that's kind of how I view leader, the leader role on a team. It's something that you earn. But most importantly, though, what, what I tell people is you can earn it, but you can lose it. And so everybody on your team it, who decides to follow you because you're facilitating their needs and wants, well, they have new needs every day. They have new wants all the time. And so it's kind of like plants. Like, I just killed one the other day. If you don't water them, they die. And if you don't water those relationships with people, they just won't consider you one anymore. So it's not a static thing. You can't apply to be a leader. These are great analogies. And, you know, what it brings to mind is then conscious leadership. Like this is something where it's, it's intentional, it's conscious, it's being attuned to the people that you're leading. Oh, it's a lot of work. That's what I tell people when they, they go, Joe, I, I want to get into, they use manager and, and leader as a synonym. And I, I don't blame them because we've really muddied it up, but you know, they go, you know, Hey, I, I really want to, to get into this. And I go, you know, just so you know, being a, a, being that person that you thought of, that's a really great leader is a ton of work. And guess what? There are days where I flipping hate it. I'm not about it. I wake up on the wrong side of the bed. I go, I'm in a pissy mood today. Joe's, you know, a whiny little baby. And I go, you owe it to people to be a leader. You owe it to them to go out and still help them and facilitate them being successful because it's not their fault that you're having a rough day, right? It's not your fault. It's not their fault, excuse me, that you have like 10 different things at work that are due and, you know, you're so stressed and all this. And it's a lot of work. And so I always preface that. Uh, to to young engineers where I work, especially, and I say, hey, you know, this, this is very rewarding. It's going to change your life forever, how you view people and how they view you. But ultimately, um, you know, you're signing yourself up for a whole mess of work if you want to do it right. Yeah. And I'm loving this distinction between manager and leader. You know, because I think we really think of it like this is the appointed leader. So now this person is truly going to lead us. And you're saying that's not the case. Oh, my gosh. It's sadly not the case a lot. And the, the problem that I found is I, I think, like you said, most people are inherently good. And so I talk about this in my book, uh, Leader Relativity, that I think most people truly do care. But and I think the goal of a leader is always their team success. And that and facilitating that and helping people with their needs and wants. But I think, you know, where people go wrong, especially people who are new to it, and even folks who've done it a long time, is that they think that you have to choose either 
being a leader or being a manager, even though in their head, they don't understand they're making that differentiation, but they go, okay, well, we have a, a deadline that's due and I need more out of the team. And so then the messaging that they send to their team is not conducive to someone that you would say that person's a leader. It gets, it quickly gets condescending. It quickly gets uh, accusatory. And, and really what I try to tell people is when you are a leader, you're always both all the time. So if you're a manager, you're a leader and a manager and you can never separate them. And so Mm. in our heads, we, you know, we're trained as kids. Hey, you know, you need to be a well-rounded person. You got to do piano. You got to do soccer. You got to do art class and all this. And we all, we talk about balance so much. And so then when you get into a position of functional authority, your thought is, well, I'm going to balance them, right? Sometimes I'm going to be a leader and be, you know, very um, empowering and, and energizing and all the things you expect. But sometimes I have to put my manager hat on and I got to really lay down the law. And that right there is a fundamental disconnect. And it's like walking off a cliff for a person who wants to be a leader. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's, and as you said, when you have to earn it every day, it sounds like the moment you switch into that, then you're losing that leadership position with your people. Yes. Yeah. The instant you think in your brain, I have to be one or the other, you're already probably behind and it's not a bad thing. And I still find myself struggling because the hardest thing for me as a manager, I manage a team at work is being both when things aren't going well, right? When things go good, it's super easy to be encouraging. It's really easy to empower people like, Hey, we're doing awesome. You're great. Everything is, you know, just fine. And it's so much different when, you know, we're taking on a little bit of water, right? Somebody's car sick in the back. There's a flat tire, you know, everything's going wrong. It's a lot harder to maintain being that leader, watering those relationships and still delivering because uh, you, you still have to do your job. And maybe as a manager, you have to, you know, let someone know that, you know, hey, your work performance isn't actually what we needed to be right now. Like, I think you might be struggling here, here, and here, or as a coach, like, Hey, we're going to actually start somebody else and not you, but how you have that conversation determines whether you're a leader, you still have the topic doesn't have to change, but it's kind of how you present it, which what I've noticed is, you know, people I really respect versus people I just consider jerks. Absolutely. So it's, it's really, again, that human component. Honestly, if you were going to sum it up, it's humans, right? You lead humans, right? You don't lead tables or chairs or desks (laughs) or computers. You, you lead people and people are very complicated and, and complex. And, and once you understand that and you treat people like people, which honestly should be a training for every manager on earth and executive it becomes a lot easier to actually lead. But the the thing that I've noticed a lot with, with first-time managers is that, oh, I have to pick. And, and that usually will, well, the first time I ever took a formal, you know, I guess, functional authority position, I was coaching a rugby team and I thought, oh, I have to be one or the other. And I almost drove myself insane because I thought, well, I want these guys to listen to me. They're all... These are all older than me, you know, the tough, tough as nails. And I, I want to look, you know, assertive, hopefully like I know what I'm doing. And, and then I went, well, you know, I read all these books about 
you know, like a Brene Brown or a Simon Sinek, like, Hey, be vulnerable, be compassionate, be your true self. And I thought, well, how do you do both? Because this seems impossible. So that's, that's really what I'm trying to get at is you, you can do both. It's just how you go about it. And, and maybe the best way to describe it is if you've ever had like a, like a tough love conversation with someone like a loved one, you don't approach it like, Hey, idiot, here's all the reasons you're doing dumb stuff. No, you, you come in and you go like, you know, Hey, I'm, I'm concerned about you. Right. Mm -hmm. Just so you know, I really want what's best for you. And this is a hard conversation to have, but X, Y, and Z, right. It's the messaging that goes into it that allows you to do both. And that person, their takeaway isn't, oh my goodness, you know, how create, like how off base are they, which they might, you can't control that, but they'll at least come away with, you know, that person cares about me as a person, right? Clearly the voice tracking was, you know, they're here to help, you know, not degrade or demean. So we are needing to take a break. This is such great content. And when we come back, I want to ask you some, you know, specific questions around for leaders out there, or let's put leaders in quotes, for managers out there, how do they, if they're already set in a way of leading, find this leadership where, you know, it's kind of like their egos are in check and what are the qualities that go into that? So Joe can be thinking about those questions during the break. We're just going to take a quick break and come on back and join us here on Igniting the Spark. Have you noticed that no matter how hard you try to release attachments, heal traumas, and change your life, you still feel as if you don't belong? There is a reason and a solution for this. Join award-winning actor, comedian, and best-selling author Kyle Cease and learn how to immerse yourself in a new way of being at From Lonely to Free, a weekend workshop May 24th to 26th at Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Learn more at eomega.org thrive. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to The Spark. This is Igniting The Spark with Stephanie James. So happy to have you here with us. Thank you so much for being here and make sure that you have subscribed to Igniting The Spark. We're on all podcast platforms. Make sure that you get every inspiring episode. And we're here today with Joe Reichert and we're just having this awesome conversation, really understanding more in depth what it takes to make a great leader and, and, you know, someone who is really in their excellence. So before break, I was asking Joe to think about, you know, what are these qualities, number one, that make really a good leader? I mean, I'm hearing some of them. We've been talking about some of them. I'm just curious for you. I'm making this question longer here. 
Who do you look up to as great leaders? What are some of their attributes? And then we'll go on secondarily. I want to talk about what if someone's already hooked in their manager style and they're yeah. missing it with too much of an ego hook. Ooh, that's a good one. But yeah, so people I consider leaders, first of all, my mom and dad. I talk about this a lot. You know, there is no title. And, and really, I think that's why so often we compare being a leader to, to being a parent almost. And people, um, when they first hear it, it like if you tell a team, oh, it almost feels like, you know, I'm the the parent of them. They think, oh, that's weird. But then really the underlying thing there is I just care about you no matter what. I want what's best for you, even if it means you're not, you know, on this team or I put your needs before mine. And that's really what good parents do at least. So that's kind of why I often think, you know, you feel like you, you know, have these paternal or maternal instincts to the people that follow you. Um, so my mom and dad, obviously, um, I had an amazing coach, uh, a high school football coach when I was growing up and looking back on it, he was actually, you know, in his mid thirties. And when you're a kid, you think everybody's old. So I've, you know, I pictured uh, coach Tobias as like this old sage wise man, but he was really just in his mid thirties. And, and I think he was probably outside of my own family, the first person who really epitomied what it is to be a leader but I didn't really realize it then until looking back on it and having played for other coaches since then and having, you know, coached myself with, you know, the struggles that I talked about earlier, it's really impressive looking back on, on him as a leader and what he did for multiple teams. So, you know, obviously he's a, he's a teacher at school. He's a coach of the team. He's, you know, a, a leader in the community. And I think he really embodied that, on every team you're a part of, you can earn the leader role. And so, you know, we're all a part of many different teams and circles. And on every one of them, there are leaders and there can be many of them. And I think he's probably a great example for me in my life of someone who did it in multiple teams and how you go about earning it. Awesome. I, I love that you started with mom and dad. Yeah, you know, I... I was very fortunate to have caring parents. And I've, I've since, you know, as a kid, you go, this is just how life is. You know, I, I just have good parents. Oh, lucky me. But, you know, as I talk to people, as I get older, I realize that's really not the norm. And I should really start to, you know, acknowledge the fact that, you know, they, they were amazing leaders for our family and your family is a team too. And you can have bad leaders on families and you can have good ones. And so, you know, when you have two good ones, Count your blessings. That's all I can yeah. say to folks. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Well, and and what awesome examples then for you, right? So then you're like, oh, yeah. okay, this is part of that mix. This is part of that formula. Yes, exactly. And it, and it probably helped me kind of formalize my ideas of leadership because I thought, you know, putting other people's needs before your own and, you know, what, because you read a lot of books and you don't we dance around what leadership is a lot. We, you can get a lot of examples. You'll get a lot of like, I'm using air quotes, like theories of leadership or the laws you have to live by and this and that. And I, you rarely get, you know, the, a true definition. And I think one of the reasons we use parenting so much, or um, you get military a lot uh, as mm. a, a place mm -hmm. to um, uh, compare, you know, what it means to be a leader. And it really, I think is that unwavering commitment to other people. 
And I think that's what's being conveyed when you hear like a, a Jocko talk in extreme ownership, or you read other books about, you know, how compared to parenting, I think that's really it. So that human piece truly is, you know, what's shining through there. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. This makes so much sense. I love this connection. I love, as I had told you during break, you know, there, there are things I haven't thought about in leadership like this. So I'm just like loving this conversation. What about the people that are already hooked, you know, that already, you know, I know that when, you know, I'm, I'm doing work with some of my clients, sometimes we'll say, you know, check your ego at the door let's do this 18 inch journey from your forehead down into your heart. Oh, I love that. That's, you know, yes. and, and so, yes. because you're going to have a different conversation if you're speaking from the heart space, as opposed to where the ego can get hooked in your head space. I completely agree. And I think, so I have two answers. There comes a point where the fish is just too rotten and you got to chuck it overboard. And I think sadly, some people, they're just too far gone. And I, I say this to folks and I say that in my book that, um, you know, there's really nothing I can do for someone if they don't care about other people. And I, I'm probably not as good a person as you, Stephanie, because I, <laughs> I don't even take the time to, to try to teach people to do that. I just go, you know what? The, the only prerequisite to being a leader is to actually giving a crap about other people. And if you can't do that, I'm really sorry, but I don't think you can ever earn that role of being a leader. But there's stages, right? You, it's like gangrene. Eventually, you got to cut you know, the limbs off. But there's a point before that where I think, and that's why I'm trying to get to people early when they come to me and say, Joe, I want to be a leader. I tell them, okay, but just so you know, you know what you're going to go learn in this program is a lot to do about management and not much to do about people. And you got to remember everyone you lead as a person. And so I think if we can just start, I mean, and we're not going to change the world, you know, with leadership teachings, but I think it would be great if we just started to acknowledge that, you know, people follow you because they want to. And maybe that's, maybe that's what I would go back to. I think that's one thing um, that everybody kind of agrees on is that leaders have followers, but follow is really an interesting word. And I talk about it in my Ted talk and it's, it's such an amazing and unique word. There's really not any like it because the choice, if you go somewhere and I go there, it's really, if I'm following you, it's on my own volition, right? Usually in a physical sense, it's kind of creepy, right? Like if someone's following someone, it's weird. But when you follow someone, it's really a choice because if I tell someone on my team at work to do something or, hey, I'm going to the conference room, you're going there now too. Well, they're obeying you, right? They're not really following you. They're complying because ultimately they have one of those needs that have to be met, which is listen to the boss or lose your job, lose your money, and then you can't pay for stuff. So, you know, we have this idea that, oh, people listen to what I say, so they must be following me. It's like, well, no, really, they're, they're probably just scared to say anything otherwise. And so that's why I think all followers are just volunteers. And so, you know, you really choose who you want to follow and you can't be forced to follow anyone, right? You can comply like at work. If your boss tells you to do something and they're a jerk and you don't want to, you'll do it, but it's not willingly. It's, it's a very different dynamic. So 
as you're saying that, I think about what if, what if we started teaching this kind of leadership back in elementary school? You know, what if this started becoming a course that, you know, in, in little ways, these seeds start getting dropped and then in junior high, even more in high school, even more. And as a required class when you're in college, you know, that would be amazing, but I would even, I would counter with, I'd even be happy if in like the, you know, I, I had, I have a master's in organizational leadership. And if I showed you the course list, you'd be appalled. You'd go, what does that have to do with being a good leader? Right. And mm -hmm. when I finished the program, that was also a thing that I thought of, you know, I, gosh, I didn't feel like I knew how to lead anybody better than when I started it. And so I think starting, you know, when people are young would be amazing. Um, I also would have loved to know how to like, you know, balance a checkbook or, you know, pay bills when I was in school, that would have been another good class, but yes, a leadership would have been nice. But even now, you know, like, as a college course, I would just like to see more focus on, you know, the leading people aspect. And I know you can't spend, you know, 30 credit hours teaching someone to do that, but you could at least spend three. It would have been nice to just have at least one primer on it. Well, yeah. And, I, and, and really when I say, you know, leadership classes, it really is the Joe Reichert model of leadership, you know, where we're actually teaching people about, I mean, wouldn't it be awesome if people understood human development and then people understood, you know, just a deeper understanding really of, of emotions and, you know, stress, anxiety, the effect on people, how to be an effective communicator. You I know, totally these agree. are the things that, that I think when you talk about changing the world, those are some of the ways that that could be done. Yeah. And I, you know, one thing I've noticed is that people who I have noticed to be good leaders usually have a, a good or high emotional IQ. Yeah. Usually, usually they have high levels of empathy. They can relate to people. Uh, and, and really, I, I think, I think you have to be able to connect with someone before you can actually lead them and empathy. You know, I use humor a lot, but not everybody is as silly or goofy and it, but I tell people anybody can have empathy, right? Anybody can be aware enough of someone else's life and being to have a conversation about how they're doing. And so teaching that, I think back to your point, you know, it, with people earlier on would, I think go a long way because I mean, go to target, right? You'll find a lot of people who just don't care and who it's all them. And I'm not saying I'm out there like grabbing things off shelves for other people, but there, there is a lack, I think of that emotional IQ in today's society. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So this makes me wonder for yourself, you know, when, when you're thinking of your own journey, have, have there been difficult times or challenges in being this kind of leader that you want to be? Oh my gosh. Too many to list. Yes. Yeah, Will um, you share an example with us and, and how you overcame it? Yeah. And I, the struggles for me are more daily just to be candid with. People. Yeah. 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 They're, they're a lot more when you lead people. And I said earlier, it's a lot of work because it's really, you give a lot as a leader, you're giving yourself to other people, you're giving time and, you know, you're just the, the amount of, yourself you have during a day, you know, you get to the end of the day, you go, oh, 
what a day. And sometimes you can get there by you know, like noon. If you're, if you have a bunch of people on your team who really need a lot and you're really putting yourself out there. And so the, the struggles to me are more like, um, I get pinged for something and I go, ah, oh, can't you figure it out? You know, mm. L- little, little thoughts like that, that kind of mm. infiltrate your brain. And I think those little thoughts are what really determines whether someone's a good leader or not, because a bad one, you know, a crappy leader goes, you know, you'll be fine. You know, you'll, you'll figure it out. And sometimes you do, sometimes you have to let people yeah, do it, yeah. but, but you go, you know, I can't be bothered right now. Right. And then that just becomes a habit. And so what I've really tried to do lately is kind of take a minute. And you said, you know, the, the 18 inches between your head and your heart, I try to take a moment and I go, what's wrong right now? Are you having a bad day? Cause if you are, we can work through it. But if you don't notice it, you're going to treat people in a way that's really not how you want to as a leader. And so just for me, the, the struggle is on a daily basis assessing, am I coming across how I want to and need to, to other people, or is Joe is Joe's life, you know, infiltrating theirs. Cause that's really not, it's not their fault, right. That you might have a difficulty in your life. And so I think that's the hardest thing for me is doing that on a daily basis. And thank you for being so candid and real, because I think that's a real struggle. That's, that's something I think for all of us. And, you know, we have automatic thoughts like that, you know, sometimes we'll just have that automatic negative thought and to be able to drop in like you did, you know, and it's like having that high EQ, you know, the emotional quotient that you have of checking in and, and being able to say, okay, let me think about this. You know, where do I want to come from? How do yeah. I want to address this? And again, conscious leadership. Yeah. And you just, you always have to step back and, and kind of assess. That's why I think, you know, that high, you know, EQ is important. Just, you know, how am I coming across? Because you might think you're, you're saying something in a certain type of way. And then you hear back like, oh, you know, I wonder what Joe's pissed about today. It's like, oh no, I didn't want that. I didn't want it to come across that I'm stressed or this or that. And we're all people. And I tell people on my team, you know, Hey, I'm going to have bad days and there's going to be times where, you know, I might do something and and it, I just want you to know that, you know, I'm not consciously doing that. And at least, you know, taking a minute to, to reflect, you can try to self-correct, but it is, it is a skill. And I think another big thing that you have to do is you have to constantly reassess. So that's at like the daily level, but if you lead other humans for your job, you should really be reviewed by them to see how you're doing. And that really sucks because (laughs) whenever you get reviewed, you get sweaty, you know, you're reading like what people said about you. Oh, you go, oh man, there's so many places I could improve on, but you really have to do it to know if it's working or not because leadership is relative to every person. And so that's what I say. You can't just, uh, you know, what you build with someone can't be, um, you know, copy and pasted to someone else. And so you really have to check in with everybody to know how you're doing. And so that's another thing, right? People, I hear sometimes, you know, Hey, you know, rate yourself as a leader. And I go, well, with who it's kind of like saying, you know, I'm a best friend and it's like, cool, but who are you best friends with? 
right? <laughs> it's like, I'm a leader with the team I have, but if I came across somebody randomly on the street, they wouldn't know I'm a leader. It's relative to every person. So feedback is so important and sometimes it's not fun. Yeah. And what a cool and essential piece. You know, I remember reading, I, I think it was, I think it was Irvin Yalom, who's a psychologist that I've got, I, I think I've followed him for 20 years and he's written so many amazing books. And at the end of the session, he would ask the client, okay, how am I doing? Oh, interesting. And I'm like, wow, because, wow. you know, it's like, how am I showing up for you? How am I serving you? Yes. And the, I like that. And the thing that I would caveat with like at work is because there is usually the power dynamic of the person who has like the functional authority wanting to be the leader, it's hard to get really candid feedback sometimes because there is still the notion that I will be penalized or, you know, it will be held against me if I'm actually honest. So that's why I did something different at work. When I did my last yearly assessment, I had someone create like a separate site. And I said, I don't want you to be able to track anything from anyone. I don't want their IP address to be stored. I don't want their login. Like, I don't even want to know anything because we have a way to do it at work, but you've logged in. So there's kind of this feeling of like, you ultimately could know who I am. And I thought yeah. well, you still don't feel good. Like when you were in college and you'd filled out those forms, how'd the professor do? Like your name's not on that. You would write some really crazy stuff. If that person was a bad teacher, I mean, you let them have it. At least I did. And so that's what I think we have to get to because if you want it to be raw, real feedback, it's got to be, I think, anonymous. And so I, I wish more companies did that. And honestly, I wish it was required to have that type of yeah. feedback. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And and I totally see in your position where that anonymous feedback would be important. So people can really speak, you know, yeah, their be, truth. Yeah, yeah. Because there's so many, you know, for how many good managers and leaders there are, there's sadly folks who don't get it, you know? Mm -hmm. And, uh, and the, the worst part of all is when people on that team feel stuck. So they either leave or they should have a voice up the chain as to why this person, you know, is making life so miserable. And I've tried to get it going at places where I've worked to make this type of feedback for managers required. And it's really hard to get traction because I think it's well known that the feedback might not be pretty. And then what would we do with said information? So we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if, if you, if you can grow leaders, you know, the Joe Reichert style, I think we're going to be, you know, seeing such a change in, I mean, I literally think productivity, all those things, you know, the output is going to change so much with that kind of leadership. Again, when we feel valued. Absolutely. You know, and again, seen as human beings as an important and essential, you know, wheels in the cog, then all of a sudden we want to do better. We have more of a personal investment in doing a really good job because there's relationship here now. Absolutely. You, you feel really part of the cause or the team and, you know, not many people go to work and their, their mission is to help their company's bottom line. Usually they're working a project that they love doing, or they feel connected and it's like a passion of theirs. And if you don't feel valued yourself, it's really hard to reciprocate that in a place of business for sure. And so yeah. having managers who are on the front lines and making it known that 
you know, this company, because you really speak on behalf of the company. Hey, we care about you. Like for me, hey, if you need to take some time to to take care of family stuff, absolutely. In fact, don't even ask me. Just go do it. Because if that isn't there, that foundation, you at work, you might as well not even be there because your brain and everything else will be somewhere else. Totally. Totally. Well, I cannot believe that we are already out of time. There's, you know, this is just such a fun conversation and so much information. I guess before we go, a couple things. One is, what for you has been the greatest reward for being this type of leadership or leader? It's absolutely when I see other people go off and do it right. So when I have someone on my team who then they want to be a leader and then, you know, we, I try to mentor them. And then when I see them go out and practice that with other people, I go, oh, there's hope, right? Because then they're going to do it with more people and then they're going to do it with more. So really the most rewarding thing for me is strangely when someone leaves my team to go lead other people the way that, you know, I think is how it should be done. It feels really good. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. I mean, so it's, it's like paying it forward, you know, and being able to see those ripple effects absolutely out in the world. So awesome. So tell us first, where can people get your book when oh it's available? Goodness. When it's available, it will be everywhere you get books. It's uh, it's close. It's uh, oh my goodness. It's it, as anyone who's written a book, it's been long. I compare it to a marathon. Sometimes you start and you're sprinting and other times you're kind of just standing at the water station grabbing a Snickers. <laughs> it's, it's all those things. And just every day you get a little bit closer, but um, very soon it will be out. It's called Leader Relativity. Finally, a starting point for new leaders. And just, you know, I'll be very candid again. It's not for everybody, right? If you already think you're, you're a spot on leader and you have figured out, it's probably not for you because it's really meant to coach people. Because it is scary when you start out. And I wanted someone to kind of acknowledge my fears in those early stages and go, hey, it's going to be fine. Ride this out. Here are the bumps that you're going to expect along the way. So that's how the book is written. Awesome. Well, we'll be looking forward to it so we can help promote it when it's out. And what would you say also, um, how can people contact you? Say that someone wants to, because I know you're a TEDx coach as well speaking coach. So how do people get a hold of you? Yeah, you're going to love this. I have no social media because I hate it. And I think it's such a waste of time. So I love you all if you want to contact me, but probably LinkedIn. I've been okay. sucked into having a LinkedIn. You can email me, Joe Reichert leadership at Gmail. That is probably the best way. Nowadays, that's like an old school form of contact. Uh, write me an email or or hit me up on LinkedIn. But otherwise, yeah, there's no there's no Twitter or whatever, Facebook or anything. It's just, it's too much. I love that so much, Joe. I'm so <laughs> refreshing. I am so happy to hear that. I really do love that. And what do you want to leave the audience with? If you had to leave them with an essential message, you want to make sure that they're taking away, what would that be? Anybody on earth can be a leader right now once you realize what it means to actually follow someone else. I mean, no matter what your title is, no matter how many years of experience you have, how much power you have in your position, as long as you do things uh, that enable other people to be better and they want to follow you, boom, you're a leader and that's it. 
Ah, so awesome. Joe, thank you so much for this conversation. Such a joy to have you on the show. Thanks for being here. And listeners, thank you for being here as well. If you want to hear more Ignited Conversations like this, make sure that you're subscribing to the podcast and make sure you pop over to Plex Network on the More You channel, where when sparks ignite, my first film is still playing. So that is a film about the difficult and challenging times that we go through that then become the match point that ignites a gift within us that then we share with the world with the message of your healing matters. Check that out there. So thrilled for this episode. We'll see you next time. You have been listening to Igniting the Spark with Stephanie James. Thank you for listening. You can find us on all podcast platforms. Make sure you subscribe and receive every episode. For more information about this show, my books, films, and events, go to stephaniejames.world and ignite your best life. Hello, I'm Dr. Stephen Farber, and I'm an author, teacher, psychotherapist, and shamanic practitioner. On my podcast, Healing for Your Soul, I welcome some amazing guests and introduce you to some healing techniques like earth magic, working with nature and animals, and really getting to the heart of what is keeping you stuck. I want to help you deepen your spirituality and let go of blocks that are holding you back. Let me help you in this journey called life. Part of the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network. Subscribe and follow wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss an episode.